A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. And I said, I want to win the league, but I want to win it better. You can understand that, can't you? Yes. Good luck. So he's almost like having a second captain in the team. <laughs> second captain, first captain, whatever. Ireland's fullback Hugo Keenan pipped an Irish back rower to the Player of the Match award on Saturday, and there can be no higher praise in Irish rugby than that. Welcome to Monday Six Nations podcast. Hey, Murphy, hi. Hey, on. That's how good he was, on. That's how good he was. You have to be fifty percent better than the back rower in order to get the money. <laughs> no, yeah, F- forget yeah. about it. Like yeah, literally, yeah. I mean, but he wasn't. He wasn't one of those um, man of the match awards where they gave it to a centre for. Doing all the things that a back rower does, you know, auxiliary like, <laughs> flanker. Yeah, you can have back row uh, uh, player of the match awards, but then you can have also like, you know, conceptually speaking, back row. Uh, so like a second row wins, but also that's mainly because he's an auxiliary flanker. Also, centers uh, see below, but no, when you're as good as Hugo Keenan, doing even non back row things. Yeah. That's how, that you know that that's how good he was. And it's on one Saturday. of those as one of those as you're watching and all the little moments mount up in your head and then you go, Ah, but he, he probably made a mistake at some point. But then the lads who pour over these things two, two three replays, Hugo Keenan made no mistakes in that game. He made no tackles either. <laughs> no tackles. <laughs> no tackles whatsoever, but he did pretty much everything else. Jumping above men twice as high to claim high balls, chasing down Welsh speedsters to save certain tries and the likes. And I have to say, I've seen it written in a lot of places that Keenan beat the Welsh flyer Rio Dyer in a foot race in saving that try in defence of in defense of the young Welsh speedster. Would you go speedster or flyer, Murph? I'd go speedster. Uh, well, I would have gone with Tyro, but that's a slightly different Tyro. meaning. So, no, okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, speedster is fine by me. In his defence, I should point out, he was busy trying to dribble a rugby ball, football <laughs> yeah. style, toward the, the, the dry line as he was being chased down. So just, just to be fair to young Rio Dwarf. He actually did well, hesitate, actually, though. Who did? D- Dyer. Dyer did, just as it was kind of crossing the try line, whereas mm-hmm. Keenan was going like an arrow for the ball. Dyer, and I know Dyer had to react and he had to kick and all that sort of stuff, but there was like a millisecond, barely perceptible, where he actually could have dived and maybe got under Keenan, but Keenan was way more decisive, basically. Yeah, no, that, no, that's what I was going to say impressed me the most, the, how decisive he was, but more so his his touch. As he decides, I'm diving over the line full pelt, there's, no, there's going to be no, no dilly-dallying here. But then 
that's risky because how often do you see that ball spilled then and then somebody else just comes along and oh, I'll just dot this down. So for him to just sprint at that speed, slide over the line under that kind of pressure and just take the ball was just, just one in a number of kind of ridiculous moments that he had over the course of the game. What, did you, were you, uh, you must be happy enough, Si, overall, are you? Yeah, and the way Ireland are playing away from home, like they played, started really well against New Zealand, uh, started really well here, and it just has this uh, like multiplier effect where it obviously kills the crowd, it puts scoreboard pressure on the opposition team straight away, it calms us, and you actually play a different game when you're ahead, particularly 14 points as opposed to, say, 7. You can actually start to play a slightly more tactical, calm style of play and your tactics change so it sets the platform for the whole game and Wales I always felt we're going to come back into it in some way or another but when the gap is that big it was 17 points in the second half you still have that room for error and that makes you play a little bit better you know what I mean when when you say I have no room for error here you're more likely to make an error whereas Ireland could actually make two or three or four or five which they did in the end I actually was a little bit surprised by how rattled they were at one stage but they, that score, but the lack of scoreboard pressure on Ireland in that second half was kind of the factor in us coming back and winning it easy in the end I did think uh, it, was, it was funny at half time the way Wales were completely dismissed because I, I, I did assume like you say that they were going to mount some sort of a comeback mm. do you remember that one we had years ago was it the one where Zebo did that back heel that's we the last time there. we won in Cardiff. Yeah, but that was, we, we took a big lead in that one and they came back and we ended up having to win this absolute squeaker. That's so, right. If I recall that one correctly. So, you know, those thoughts were in your head. Yeah. But, uh, and there know, was the Liam Williams Wales break where Tipperick yeah. threw an overhead pass that went into touch. That was a good chance for them to, I think another score there and we really were starting to look a little bit worried. There was the three try savers or, you know, Welsh errors or Irish try savers in the first half as well. The ring rose tackle on Bigger. Like Bigger should have scored there. Bigger kind of hesitated as well and looked extremely slow. Ring rose is also brilliant, but I don't think ring rose should have even had a chance to get a tackle in there. Either the pass had to go from Bigger or Bigger just get his own footwork going because there was Mm. two defenders trying to scramble across in the space of maybe two metres to the line. So the Welsh did screw up and they, they lost three lineouts near or relatively near the Irish try line as well. So they had chances. Our scramble defence was 100 times better than theirs. Like their scramble defence was actually pretty bad. So yeah. they, they, I think the scoreboard actually did flatter Ireland a little bit. Now we're, we were way the better team, but I don't think we were that much better. Or certainly our performance on the day wasn't that much better than Wales's. Shane and Trimble on the show today to talk about that. obviously France. France almost got knocked off their stride straight up, straight off the bat yesterday against Italy, but they got through. So the result of the weekend, of course, goes to the Scots. Never doubt these lads, Murph. They will always, always deliver on big one-off occasions against England. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like four wins in five games against England or something. Uh, so. uh, it's um, it's unbelievable. Um, yeah. Uh, and yet so believable all at the same time, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, watching it even from early on, he was like, yeah, this is totally a game the Scots could win. And it's it's just so, it you know, it 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 is so convenient for us that Scotland are now hothousing their one brilliant performance of every Six Nations mm-hmm. against the same team, England, which we're more than happy to see lose uh, in any case. So it's it couldn't be working out any better. Really, Scotland, on, Scotland haven't yeah. won their opening two games since the early nineties, and Wales haven't. Sorry, Scotland haven't won their opening two games yet yeah, since the early nineties, and Wales haven't lost their opening two in about fifteen years. Who's up next for Scotland, Simon? <laughs> and actually, weirdly, Scotland play worse against Wales than pretty much any other nation because I think they think they should be beating them. Yeah, I mean, 
Wales are winning this game next week. Come on, like, everyone knows that. I mean, it's not even, I'm not even saying that as a gag anymore. Like, Wales will win that game next week. Um, I just love which that. Leaves, which leaves everyone on, you know, uh, and England will beat Italy, which leaves, like, kind of all of our uh, our triple crown uh, rivals on one win each after after two games, which is just how we like it. I mean, it's, it's, Sh- it's, it's a good start own, for us. Own, if you could stop talking over Murph's hostage to fortune statements, please. Yeah, indeed. Sorry, I'm just trying to get in here to just mention something here. I'm not so certain England are going to beat Italy, by the way. Uh, yeah, that, they were not that's going to be interesting. Sean Dyche, Sean Dyche, I don't know if you saw much of him after the Everton, but since taking over at Everton and then after beating Arsenal, he's at pains in every interview to not be seen to be slagging off his predecessor in any way. It's always, it's always, he prefaces almost every comment with, this is nothing about what came before me, but we're going to work hard and we're going to do X, Y and Z. Steve Bortwick has no such qualms about sticking the knife into poor Eddie Jones. When I looked at the team in the autumn, when I measured the team and got all the data for the team, we weren't good at anything. It was as frank <laughs> as that. We weren't good at anything. It's the most cutting remark anybody has ever made about their own team. It's unbelievable. Say. Well, not their, own, not, not their own team, their predecessor's team, to be fair. And Borthwick has a record of not saying anything ever as a coach. And he obviously worked under Eddie. I mean, he, he clearly loads them. And that it's also, obviously, when you say your predecessor got absolutely nothing right, you're basically giving yourself an excuse for a season as well. Mm-hmm. And England had about, I thought, 10 chances to win that game. And I mean, I know they're kind of mentally a bit weak at the moment as well. But like structurally, they were all over the place. Their defense at times was a horror show. And like there's one thing saying your predecessor, but you have had your team for a couple of months and you should make some impact, I think, in your first game. And that's quite a statement from a guy who doesn't say anything. It means 10 times more when you're a super safe Eddie, you know, or steady Eddie, I should say. Yeah, unfortunately, the other Eddie was, wasn't steady enough by the sounds of things. This is our one bank. That's an awful segue. But anyway, this is our one bank holiday <laughs> podcast today. No such thing. Ke- Ken is going to be back tomorrow with a brand new football pod for all our World Service members. That's tomorrow, Tuesday, featuring a bad weekend for Man City, failing to take advantage of Arsenal's slip. And now in the dock with the Premier League, the Premier League have charged them with breaching their financial rules on more than 100 occasions over multiple years. That's quite a few occasions. The Independent Commission, which will consider the charges, could recommend that City be expelled from the competition, suspended or docked points if it finds the club guilty. So, yeah, quite a lot for that, for Ken to consider on Tuesday's football podcast, which will be exclusively for World Service members. You can sign up now, secondcaptains.com, five euro a month plus VAT. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.
Duggan, back to Campbell, back to Duggan, McLaughlin going for that line, and Ireland are in and over. A first Ireland win in a decade in Cardiff, the Scots doing England and the Six Nations actually looking like it has Six Nations in it now with Italy putting it up to France. Not a bad opening weekend, was it Andrew Trimble? Oh, it was brilliant. It was great. It was suspiciously perfect from an Irish perspective and now it makes me irrationally worried <laughs> <laughs> why do you say it was it was it was perfect are you throwing in the france struggles there yeah, as well absolutely yeah. like france were a big our big worry and then we're we're also reminded that there's no quick fix to england and france you know potentially you know it could be bad for us but certainly on the surface of it they don't look like mm-hmm. um they look like they're not quite maybe where they were something could click very easily with france i'm certainly not saying france are the team of of old but um yeah just um yeah it's in we're in good shape i think i although i feel my analysis is being um influenced massively by, by my own issues <laughs> i'm scared of my own shadow at the moment i built that welsh team up to be you yeah know, um incredible everyone did um, you know both we were speaking about it last week on the show and then pre-match i'm thinking oh gatlin's back and he's gone to the old uh, crew and it's you know the Cardiff Arms in, in Cardiff the Millennium Stadium haven't lost there in 10 years uh, you know, they'll be right behind them and just blew them off the pitch wasn't yeah. it? it was barely a competition I think you're trying to override all the times we've been caught out by underrating yeah, that's exactly with. that's what I was going to say so like how many what 10 15 years of saying there's no way that Welsh side is going to win the Six Nations no way that Welsh side is going to win a Grand Slam and they continue to do it time and time again and now I think we're going to have 10 years or 15 years of us saying oh there's something uncertain about this Welsh side and we're going in there un- irrationally nervous even Sexton saying this is the most nervous he's ever yeah. been for a test yeah. match and I thought I actually believe the images before the game in the in the um, in the changing room so they weren't the immediate images uh, apparently now Farrell does the team talk it used to be done by Joe in the, the, the um, in the hotel but he now does it in when they first get off the bus and it just looked tense it looked fired up i was like you know it's like yes you want that but it made me super nervous and i think we just got this hangover that i know lots of irish teams have been favorites um for a long time now um but i do still do think we have this residual hangover of much preferring to be underdogs and it's sitting better with us um certainly you know maybe as you know, my generation of, of analysts, maybe less so trims um, than the players at the moment who, who just look very confident and mature and able to deal what, with with what they're used to. But this is just a big change. And even the way we're being perceived, I was reading some comments during the week about how much other teams don't like Ireland. And I don't mean that in a they don't like playing against them, but they just don't like them. They think we're up ourselves. They think... Um, you know, it's everything that comes with being success. You know, it's it, all the teams that we played against that we didn't yeah. like for maybe irrational reasons. You can see some of the other teams yeah. who gave us a much easier ride over the years are now going. I don't like these guys, and it's because of the success. Yeah, the start of the, 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 it's not the just start of the game. I just want to get to know, Andrew. Are you sure it's not just <laughs> yeah, Leinster? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It's not Ulster. Uh, <laughs> the, the start of the game killed all that. That's this the thing. And, you know, Ireland have done this to better teams in the last 12 months than Wales. They did it in New Zealand on more than one occasion. It's a, it's a happy knack to have, Andrew, isn't it? To get in there, especially in an away game, and just kill all the atmosphere, do all that, and put doubts in the other team's minds straight off the bat. 
yeah, the, the Gatlin factor just goes out the window immediately. The um, uh, Principality Stadium and the crowd and the intensity, again, out the window and they just nullify the whole thing really quickly. And then, uh, and then, and then they get on with the rest of the game, and and it's actually it was a bit of an arm wrestle for for periods, you know, twenty minutes, certainly, probably more, in the second half, and um, and and it could have been, it could potentially be in the balance if if Wales had to score one or two of those opportunities, and they they didn't, but it just felt like, as you say, scoreboard pressure, and it looked like Wales were chasing the game, which could potentially have brought a good version of wheels out but um they weren't up to it in the end and um it's it's that fast start it just sets a tone really early we're in charge here we're dictating the pace of this game and the pace of this game is going to be played 100 miles an hour whilst we have the ball the the speed of the rock was through the roof and it wasn't even just the style i think you you might have been forgiven for thinking that the, the intensity and the pace and and just the the, the tempo to Irish Irish play might have been an expansive play yes there was a bit of expansive play but a lot of it was runners off nine but it was just the sheer pace of the breakdown the, their shape must have been so good they just they very rarely got hit hard even when they did get hit hard Keelan Doris I'm thinking a couple of times just spun nicely and then just made a few extra yards which made that next breakdown really difficult for wheels to slow down and Ireland just went from strength to strength when they had that tempo they just looked like they were were undefendable I thought that start is a really good habit to get into and they are they're in it now it's been a very long time since they started badly and it just it it, it just turns down the uh, opposition atmosphere and, and stadium in a massive way you know we're talking about Farrell saying that he wanted the roof closed because of the atmosphere well hard luck because the the team's performance in the first 10 minutes made sure there was no atmosphere there at all roof open or closed didn't make a difference just sapped the energy out of the stadium and and that's exactly what you want to do and that's what you want to do more than expose yourself to a cauldron type atmosphere and then have to get out of that they had a bit of it in the second half but it's the best way to stop it but Trims you're right it wasn't particularly expansive because it didn't have to be now they were set up to be expansive at different times and we saw Porter in the Tyg Furlong role carried a little bit more. Now, he doesn't have as good as hands of Furlong. But, yeah, and it's not, and that's not a, a massive criticism because nobody does. You know, there's plenty of backs that don't have good hands as Furlong, so you have to see it in that light. But what was happening was they were getting so much go forward. Um, their shape was so good. Their carries were so good. Their clean-outs were brilliant. So... We, we've spoken a lot about that little triangle that they make, um, which can which can go to the, one of three. It generally goes to the middle man. He can drop it inside, outside, or pull it out the back for the guy looping around. It can be nine, it can be further out, it can be a ten. The carries were so good, um, and the meters after contact were so, so strong, that the guy either side of the, the carrier were the first into the rook. You didn't need anybody else. So you've got the threat there and you don't have to have it resourced by anyone else. Huge tempo. I think there was a stat in the middle of the uh, half. It was funny, just as we were talking about in studio, the stat came up. Ireland had, I think, 70% of their rooks were between one and three seconds. Uh, and I would say, you know, of that, you know, at least 70% are, were between, you know, were about 1.5. You know, they were, it was so, so fast. So there was a natural tempo in the game. And it was interesting. The one time, I think, I think it was in the second half. I was, uh, I got quite frustrated. It was the time that Conor Murray um, box kicked the ball almost from from almost midfield, and it was a obviously a pre planned play, but they had it was from a line out that was just outside our twenty two, and 
I can see why they did it because it's a way of exiting. But the first the line out the first carry off the line out was so good. Then there was a second carry uh, the next rook uh, off that um, f- the first rook. It was a massive yards made, and at that stage we'd made up forty meters. And it was like, oh, just play. You don't have to go through with the, with the box kick option at that point. And it was because, you know, Wales were so soft and we carried so well and rooked so efficiently. So from that perspective, we didn't see the more expansive game, but maybe it was because we didn't need to see it. I was struggling to work that out as well with that, that box kick. The, it felt like it looked... Um it looked like they were it was like definitely didn't stumble across it it looked like they were going to specifically and i thought i could i was kind of racking my brains is that josh adams is good in the air liam williams is good in the air half penny before obviously you know, the game plan would have been designed around him they're all good in the air i didn't really understand the rationale but like everything everything they touched turned to gold even that even though it seemed like suboptimal you know strategy even that worked for them yeah it was definitely a pre-planned move uh trims they had if you looked at the way even the shape they had, I think, maybe four down the short side, all super flat. Nobody able to take a ball. It was doing. You know, it's not. I'm not saying. I'm not actually blaming Connor Murray because I think under those circumstances, you go, oh, listen, that's Murray kicking again. That's not. It's a strategy. But they maybe haven't just reacted. The whole team hasn't reacted to the fact that they've made thirty yards here. Don't need to kick the ball. I sometimes feel like say those opening twenty minutes with Ireland. And you feel that dominance, but there was no one outstanding play as you both alluded to there. It was just a series of perfect accuracy and, and people doing their jobs right but I sometimes feel you need to go back and look at somebody like Murray Kinsler or Brett Igo or the, these guys who show you the exact clip and why something happened and one of them was just a beautiful James Ryan line off Sexton now Sexton had to read it well as well, as well. but what struck me about it was and we always give the praise to Sexton and he was Good again, not amazing, but good. But that James Ryan's line and timing of the run and decisiveness and aggression demanded the pass. And that these guys, I know they know their job so well, but there's talent in that that we kind of underestimate. The ability to time that run, to time the angle, to judge the moment. And basically Sexton has no choice but to give that pass because it's such a perfect run. Yeah, it's, um, it's one of those ones where it's, not even is it just that that element and you know kind of four or five different factors all contributing to James Ryan finding space in that in that gap on the inside of Sexton but even like three four five phases before there's enough questions being asked of the defense for Ken Owens to sit down and maybe create that space outside from two phases earlier and I think this happened in attack and defense with Ireland that they looked they had so many options so many live options so many guys know and Wales know that like they're they're worrying about ring rows and lower wide they're worrying about what Sexton does short they're worrying about the loop they they have 10 questions in their head as they're facing the Ireland attack absolutely and all like only one of those questions is valid because only James Ryan ended up with the ball so um, having said that the other ones could become live very quickly if they if they make decisions in defence but it just feels like there's enough detail in Ireland's attack to have all of the, that variety of options but there's enough heads up to know which option to pick and I, I hate people who, who talk about you know the, the post-Schmidt era get away from detail you have to have that detail to understand or to, to, have, to have those options available but you have to have you know the the Farrell um, contribution, which is play heads up and see what's the best option. So that, that was an attack in defence. Even that you know slightly difficult period for for Ireland in defence. You know I think um, James Lowe gets the credit f- twice for the intercept and then the the tackle that uh, Ringrose made. And then he got on the turnover on bigger, yeah, on, on bigger, yeah. And the the first one, for example, is is a good example where. Ringrose shoots up twice in defence and just makes them make a, a suboptimal decision. Actually, Bealham came up as well. So three times in the four or five phases up until Lowe's intercept, 
those guys are planting the seed they're making it difficult for them and then eventually low gets up makes one more raid so it looks like they've got a nice license again the detail to have the shape and defense but then the the onus on the individual to make a raid and get up and get in the space and just make it really tricky even right up when you watch the replay with low who who's he on he's kind of on he's kind of in between he's just putting himself in a difficult position same thing with ring rose it looked like he had actually made the wrong decision but he's right in between two attackers and he his his recovery is incredible i thought ring rose was the unsung hero at the weekend he did so much with ball in hand and in defense as well but you can see how um, like joe schmidt always used to say good players make other players look good and i think they've got a lot of guys um, fulfilling that role just to go back briefly to that, um, the couple of phases before the James Ryan big carry, and we actually pulled it out in studio, didn't get time to do it. But to, to Andrew's point, there was a line from Tyg Byrne, which is an absolute screamer. And for all the world, I thought he was going to get it, and it flashed across him and went to the second man. And that doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's a massive deal because it sat down. Everyone's looking at that. that You have to respect Byrne when he's coming like that. You can't not respect him. And that just makes things a little bit easier. The other thing was Byrne ran that line, but managed to get back into the rook as well, which is the detail that Andrew is saying, you know, because if you don't go into that rook, then that may all of a sudden that gets turned over or it has to, you know, you burn another man on it. So from that you know that perspective though that subtleties i thought were really um uh, impressive from ireland the other thing on defense you're right on low he was up there in the middle and he didn't really have anyone but it felt, it felt comfortable enough it's like there was no way the welsh players could get the ball through because of the position that he had taken um and you know that's i think that was one of the positives as well he looked relatively comfortable i thought um and he doesn't always look comfortable ring rose i thought we saw a slightly different ring rose like he's brilliantly reading that line in behind and he's given free reign to do it but he seems to have up to speed you know since the autumn uh, by a magnitude as well now as in as in, as in line speed you're talking about oh yeah. he's flying flying so fast that he missed a couple you know or just got like a weak show a weak arm on them now i think that's a tactic because what you do is you go even if i don't make the tackle i've put the guy under so much pressure he's not he's going to not make the he's not going to make the pass he's not going to be comfortable with what he's doing he's not going to be able to sidestep me i won't let him in my inside so he can only beat me really on, on one way or i'm going to slow him down and then the other players can fill in so it's a calculated risk it is a risk but it's calculated and players find it very difficult to deal with that so it would be interesting if he keeps that on if the French identify it, and if they can counteract it. That's kind of the, the, the interesting things for me. The other thing that you need to tighten up on, um, on Mark Hansen, who had some astos- astonishing moments and as good at offloading as maybe, you know, you will see um, through the tournament and shows the, the difference in an offloading game, what it can do, how it can break down defences. But he'd looked uncomfortable a few times and he got caught a few times uh, right on the edge and uh, you know, Sexton certainly gave it to him at least one time because Sexton was in covering him behind but um, a little bit of work to be done there as well because I thought they got around us too easy on a couple of occasions. Yeah, so all those things generally went right for Ireland and then I was surprised, Andrew, with how rattled we looked when the pressure did come on in the second half and Wales created some of that pressure but I'm thinking like Porter not rolling away Porter jumping on Williams when the try was clearly already scored. 
three or four kind of silly penalties, Sexton kicking that ball wide from his own 22. I felt like we lost it for a little while there. And considering our lead and considering we've won 18 games in the last 20 and all that sort of stuff, it surprised me that Ireland could be rattled in that game. Yeah, and and Porter in particular, maybe maybe I'm wrong, but my perception of Porter, he's not an ill-disciplined player, he's, and he's certainly not a guy who does uh, kind of cheap shots, cheap shot, cheap shots, as what he did in uh, Liam Williams. I don't think you need to get called out by Warren Gatlin in the press conference after yeah. the game. To be fair, um, but my my impression of of the penalty count, whenever people talk about the penalty count, they're giving them cheap access points, cheap penalties, sloppy penalties. Is because they're conceding, they're receiving a lot of pressure and they're absorbing that pressure. And eventually, that tells. So it's not necessarily the ill discipline; it's the pressure. But on that occasion, they were sloppy. It was spe- it was specifically their ill discipline. Porter, like really unlike him, just to give away those cheap penalties. No need. He just needs to get out of there quickly. And then that one on Liam Williams. It's an like, there's no did, did need at all. Like that. That was. Oh, I, I the try was, was clearly scored. Pretty committed to that. I, I wait, 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 what are you talking about? I, I, I thought they you reacted about the Porter to it. one or the the try. Porter yeah. for the try. I thought I didn't see much in that, and like two things. One, I didn't see much in it. I thought you know it's someone who's committed, who's you know scrambling, and potentially is there any chance of you know is there like a five percent chance of not, getting the ball knocked away or getting released? I think that's where that is. So I had no issue with it actually. I didn't. I think it, there was it no wasn't reaction. that bad. Yeah, sorry, I'm not saying it wasn't that it wasn't, bad. It wasn't dangerous, but, you know, don't give the ref an opportunity to give another pen out like, no, against a, you. But, like, it's easy to say that, Simon, but it's, you know, these guys are playing at the super edge, right? They're they're max, they're max trying to maximise every bit. They're squeezing the pips out of every opportunity. And then it's very difficult just to say, say oh, listen, you know, don't, don't go in for that. They're hardwired to go in for that. And I didn't mind that so much. And also, I didn't mind Mac Hansen coming in afterwards. I thought... I loved it actually. I was like, that just shows something too often. I think a bit more where sort of automatrons as well. And one of his players was getting it and he went in. He didn't do anything too crazy to get sent off, but he got in and he backed his players and the rest backed it. And I just thought that's a good side of Ireland as well. And Ireland don't always have that. And it's back. And I was, I know they gave away a penalty and I know it put them under pressure, but I don't know. The fact that they, you know, they were comfortable enough in the game, they were going to win it. They have won it now. I think that kind of stuff. I know it's a little bit of you know, old, old science, old school. But old I actually think I don't know, Shane. Good. If 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 I think Wales screwed up that line out. If they'd gotten that and there was more pressure in our twenty-two, we start giving away more penos, maybe the yellow card. Then you're talking a different game potentially. And I do think the scoreboard didn't fully reflect. The chances Wales had. I know it was brilliant scramble defence from obviously Keenan, uh, Ringrose and Lowe and Lowe's intercept and all the rest. But I still don't think Ireland were that much better than Wales. I think Ireland actually can play way better than they did against Wales. Yeah, they can certainly play more consistently for longer. Um, I th- although having having received that pressure for 20, 20 minutes, 25 minutes, you know, reasonably relentlessly for 20 minutes, Wales had a lot of possession, a lot of opportunities. Ireland's scramble was incredible that wouldn't have got tested if they hadn't have been there and then uh, Ross Byrne coming back on I, I think he pretty much kind of coincided with turning the game back again and Ireland just uh, you know regaining control that's a real skill whenever you're on the receiving end it's kind of more natural for for wheels to chase the you know to chase the game concede a few penalties or a few tries and then start chasing the game and then just the tendency is it's easier for them to start you know change that tide it feels like it's our turn but the other way around, whenever Ireland were in front and they had to go after that bonus point, 
and they had to kind of stall that Welsh momentum. That's a real skill, and everybody's you know there's a lot of chat about the um, I forget the name of the guy, the Leinster um, a mental skills coach who's in there doing a bit of work. It just feels like Ireland can cope with a lot of stuff. Granted, they lost control in the first place, but it's totally unrealistic in in Six Nations as Wales are not they're not what they what they were. Certainly, there's a lot of old guys there. Maybe Warren Gatlin isn't what he what I don't know, but you can't expect Ireland to go eighty minutes. Wheels at home are always going to have that purple patch. France, even in Dublin next week, will always have that purple patch, and that's tested our scramble. I think it's it's we've come out, we've been tested twice. Can we scramble? Can we maintain control? And then can we take back control whenever it's our turn to to um, kind of shift the momentum of the game again? And I think Aaron passed both those uh, tests. And a couple of things that did coincide with the yellow card as well. You know, the yellow card was given away, so I think we did see that change there, as opposed to maybe a complete you know mental flip and and uh right rewriting the ship um so you know maybe maybe that that's still out there to be to be fully tested um i thought maybe he was a little bit slow on the bench as well um yeah I, I, ross burn yeah I, th- I think he could have got ross on earlier you know um but um i, I was surprised I don't know if he eventually uh, um, took out Peter Armani, but he wasn't having a massively influential display. He didn't have that many um, um, actions in the game, so I was surprised that that he continued on. Um, yeah, I, and and you know probably he's just, I don't know the trust. He definitely has trust in Herring, and Herring has shown that he's trustworthy as well. But um, there was I think there was a reluctance to use the bench fully, which was um, I think counted against Ireland and, and something that. You know, we probably can't do against um, France because you have Definitely to not. use all your numbers and you have to go like this is our squad. And even though this guy's a great player, he's he, you know he's left everything out there for you know sixty seventy minutes. And this other player may not you know if they're both starting from zero may not be as good, but this guy is is going to be more impactful just because of uh, fatigue. So you know. Um, I think that's you know that's definitely a point as well. So you know whether they were able to change that mental switch or not, I I still think is has to be tested. But um, it was interesting. Farrell identified. I can't remember if he said before or after the game, but one of the interviews he was he was saying that that period that you know it's very maybe tried to say a purple period, but in the Six Nations, teams just don't roll over, or you just don't have a perfect match. You don't dominate a match from the first minute to the last minute, and it's how you deal with that period where you're you're out of, you know, you're out of dominance, and they're mm. having that that period. It's how you deal with that, um, like that James Ryan line out steal. What a great That's moment! A perfect moment. What a yeah. great moment! Great moment, and there was a couple of those actually that Ireland you know flipped it on its head. And um, but Ireland do play with long periods of dominance, but don't expect Ireland, you know, either in Six Nations games or certainly the World Cup against big teams where they own the ball for eighty yeah. minutes. It's just it's just the compound errors. Really Have we mentioned Hugo Keenan yet, Andrew? How good is this guy? Yeah, he's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Actually, sorry, ridiculous, but kind of low-key ridiculous because he doesn't do there's no moments of wow that's a that's a highlight reel but he just does time and time and time after again again he just gets in the air plucks the ball makes a good decision uh with ball in hand makes a good defensive read scrambles really well he's just such a he's such a tidy player he just tidies up everything everything that's asked him he executes perfectly he's so so reliable and even that description kind of sells him short. He's yeah. reliable, but he does everything in a really classy way. Um, uh, yeah, he was. It was. He he stood up, and I think 
you know the tendency of of where Irish rugby is and where Irish rugby has been in the past and he just looks like a guy who's growing he knows how big the next 12 months are in front of him he knows where his stock is at the minute and he's just took another step up and it, again a difficult environment maybe not a team that's firing all cylinders but a lot of questions were asked of him and he answered every single one of them he's got a level of class I think that's and kind of a reflection of where this team is going and where they are currently as well I think that back three can go even further and counter. Um, you see glimpses of them. Um, they switch it on and off. But consistently, I think they can get to a higher um, standard of, of when the ball is kicked and what they could do. Keenan is incredibly good at covering the backfield. Um, the actual amount of metres that he puts up in a game are, is, is astronomical. So, you know, you had someone like um, Rob Carney there before who that was his trade and... and, and you know it's hard to say it's hard to overstate how good he was at that and how not good other people necessarily are doing that and and how some so it's definitely learned behavior but it's also sort of innateness about it keenan has it you know he's he covers the backfield brilliantly gives a lot of comfort um to his um his um two wings as well which is important he's absolutely ice cool under the high ball he took one ball it was i think it was a, a penalty because uh, one of the players blocked on the way back um but he went up and, and had to change mid-air in the style of catching it because uh, i think he either took a bit of a knock or the ball you know i think his run was impeded and i just thought you know he still caught the ball yeah. it, was, it was a remarkable bit of skill that wouldn't really even be noticed he caught one off his boots as well oh, in the Irish 22 and then immediately sidestepped somebody no, that was the and then thing. won the collision. That was the thing, uh, Simon. I, I saw him catch that ball and just when I, I kind of shouted out at the t- television, I said, oh my God. And what you do normally, you catch that ball, you suck it into your bread Stumble. basket and then you dive into the ground head first. That's what happens, <laughs> you know, because you secure the ball. He picked it up, took two steps inside, made, you know, 15 yards, I'd say, perfect placement and Ireland had another phase. Yeah, the only other point on Hugh, uh, Hugh Keenan's worth saying is uh, talking about their their defence and Farrell's obviously giving guys a license and Ringrose took the piss out of that license because he just he gets up, makes decisions. He's very very brave in defence. If you're a winger outside Ringrose, you need someone as reliable behind you because you're going to test him. He's going to the the wingers are going to try and get up. They have to as a winger, you have depends on where you are on the pitch and where the ball is, but you have to have a balanced level of investment in what's inside you in the front line and then what's behind you in fifteen. So you're kind of looking at at Ringrose and you're looking at Hugo Keenan and you're trying to just balance up how, how where you are invested in terms of your position on the pitch and where you're contributing that to so if Ringrose makes decisions and shoots you have to shoot with him you have to get there on his shoulder because the only other option is for someone to tip something on so wingers are pulled both directions and they know they can do that they know they can put Hugo under pressure because he's going to back them up and he's going to close the gate outside them and it takes a lot to be in position there's obviously a lot going on there a lot of work's going on but it seems it looks very clear Trims, what do you think about that counter-attack thing because we know um you know James Lowe is is um, predisposed to to counter attack, he loves an offload. He's got the power to get through. You know, Keenan's well able to counter attack as well, and and does you know more so than sort of Rob Carney. His balance of his game is is better. And then so um, you know, so Mac Hansen in the last twenty minutes of that game, absolutely eating it up on these phenomenal offloads. I don't get the feeling though that they're quite as connected as a back three as they might be, or as they. 
they're not as they're not delivering as much as they could in that area yeah they they probably didn't there were no big moments where the ball was kicked to them um bigger probably didn't kick maybe as loosely as might have you know they might have provided those opportunities or maybe a broken kind of kick chase yeah they, they maybe that could have been a reflection of they maybe just didn't get those opportunities but um they're both sniffing and they're both kind of keen it's certainly the wingers and hugo as well kind of pulling that all together they're definitely keen looking for opportunities if those opportunities it's one of the most creative back threes we've ever had notice yeah. that. <laughs> it, it is though like the, the three like, audience here. <laughs> yeah. um the two wingers in particular have great vision so there is huge scope, as you say, Shane. Yeah, I think they're very ambitious players. They're exciting. They're keen on running, and they're you know they like to keep the ball alive. Those two, the two wingers in particular, I think um, Keenan, you know, he's certainly not um, risk averse, but he's a little bit more controlled than those two guys. But I suppose my overall feeling in with them is that there could be so much, and when you're playing in a back three that's really humming. You're, you're you're working. You're you're pre- almost you're sort of praying for a loose kick. You're praying for a ball because you you have your in your mind. You say you sort of know how your counter is going to go. You're going to go well. It's kicked to the wing. It's going to you know we're going to pass it back in. Long pass back in. We're going to bounce to the short side. Or we're going to go two passes one back. Or you know we're going to do a little loop play and someone's going to come on a short line. And then you it was one of the, my favorite things about being in a back three that you've under those circumstances you really felt like a mm. team and you felt like you could have a bit of fun with the game. You know, that was the, mm. the, that was the area where you got to get a bit of a head up. You got to maybe throw a little show and go on the, on the return. You got to have that bounce when you're running an outside arc. It was just, it looks like it's it's the most fun period. And those, certainly the two wingers, seem like fun players, if that makes sense. They feel like guys who are quite joyous in the way they play. Again, not as fun, uh, you know, as, as us, Shaggy, I think is what, you're of course, the, 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 the fun faction they used to call you guys. I just saw the the injury updates that we oh, have. Sorry. Comedy, I think, was different. The fun. Yeah, we have got injury updates just breaking this afternoon. Ty Furlong, Jemison Gibson Park, and Keen Healy are all ruled out of the France game. Johnny Sexton to complete HIA process today. Ronan Keller back in training. So you know, losing Furlong and Gibson Park against a not very strong Welsh team is one thing, Andrew. But to go into the France game without them, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, will the Six Nations just continually be um, uh, setbacks and as Farrell, Farrell will respond to this and say, what a brilliant opportunity to test yeah. ourselves. That's only the happy yeah, yeah, that's only something you can say when you're winning. And maybe that's contributing, um, uh, Shaggy, to that feeling outside. That's a little bit smug, is it not? You know, the bus is running late. Hopefully it's late. That'll be a great test for us. <laughs> um, he he but, did actually say that just for yeah, people, but he did yeah. say I wanted it to be even later than it was. You know, like, yeah. yeah, he's going to like you know nick one of the, some of the players' boots, like just one boot. <laughs> Listen, just deal with it. Just deal with Missing it. Missing studs, someone without a gum shield, yeah. just causing chaos in the changing room. <laughs> there's a nice balance here and I've always been I always hate the idea of of giving guy an opportunity and someone growing into a role and I think this has probably hopefully proved, proved my point that you don't need to look for opportunities those opportunities arise and whenever you're provided with those opportunities Conor Murray uh, took his opportunity and just reminded us how good he is and how good he's been for so long but he's someone who can go in there and play that high tempo game uh, Finley Bealham you don't need to look for an opportunity you'll get opportunities and he grew massively I know Shaggy you were saying there about uh, Porter stepping up and doing some of that those tip-ons and those decisions but Bealham did that as well I thought he did it really really well contributed he was oh, so I, th- I thought Bealham was was 
if not, I thought it was a, a toss up between Doris and Bealham as the best player in the first half. I thought he was exceptional. Yeah. He, was, he was everywhere. He looked good. He was in that role. I think you're right. Um, I think Portner was in it a bit more, but he was definitely filling it as well. And I remember he was he was filling that role. If you remember in the autumn as well, when 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 uh, he came on, they. I don't know what it's furlong. It's definitely furlong, but it's also. Um, you know the the coaching setup. They've changed what the parameters of our prop are and what the expectations are. And, and in fairness, Bealham and um, and Porter are, are a step. Yeah, it's, it's different against France, though, uh, guys. Is this, this is my point? You know, and and say particularly not having Gibson Park there. You know, you're, you're against. I mean, we keep talking about Wales not being what they were. That's largely because Sean Edwards, in part, anyway. That's Sean Edwards in there. He's with France now, so you know, mm. it, it is a game that you'd like that tempo that Gibson Park brings. I would have thought it's not. It's it is different, of course. France are different to every team out there at the minute. But any any questions that have been asked about Ireland, and I think the other example I think I suppose is that first of all, um, Bealham steps up. We've learned about Bealham. Conor Murray steps up, and we've learned about him. He can play with that high tempo game during the autumn. We learned about Ross Byrne. Ross Byrne, exactly. Ross Byrne. Um, Stuart- best, best. I know it was only a few minutes, but probably his best spell for Ireland. Yeah, absolutely, because it coincided with the. the kind of turn of the tide Stuart McCluskey we've learned about him I think he rightly picked up his position uh, he, he started at 12 and I thought he was really good he just looks way more rounded all rounded I, I just think he like, again he's someone you weren't like Henshaw um, I think it was unavailable for that South Africa game and he came in you don't need to force these opportunities these opportunities will arise and now plenty of them are, have, have, have risen up and plenty of the guys have proved that they um, they can play so I think that's probably an extension of what Farrell's saying if we get difficulties then the guys will step up and they'll, and they'll, they'll fill those boots easy enough What about the challenge by, by Shane uh, by that France are going to pose do you think Shane um, particularly given how they struggled so badly yesterday Yeah without reverting to, to stereotype which you know you can do a lot of the Six Nations because it's, they're so accurate <laughs> the stereotypes very often but France do uh, have been known to to slow uh, to start slowly in the Six Nations and Italy have been known to you know have that big performance in in the first game and very often do come up a little bit short but have have um, certainly um, you know a, a very uh, strong period in that first game so I, I wouldn't be reading too much into um, you know, this is a sort of a lackluster France, yeah. or you know, they've they've they nearly got turned over by Italy. I I think that game will have done them, you know, a world of good. They'll be a better unit uh, as a result of it. Uh, one, you know, I suppose coll- their collective time together will have increased. Um, they'll have another week with with Edwards and and Galtier. Um, there'll be a little bit of a kick in the arse, but you know, there'll also be a didn't we do well to come out the other side of it as well. So. Um, I don't think it's a. I think in many ways it's a positive for France coming out of that result. You know what will Ireland look to do? Um, uh, I don't think they'll have changed anything week on week. Uh, having seen that, other than maybe reinforcing that France, like any team, don't like you know a. A sort of sophisticated multi-wave attack coming after them you know and, and that can you know that can um you know, pull them out of position and and they were probably as as ragtag in defense as we'd seen them maybe over the course of the entire um sean edwards era um so you know really ireland will be looking to double down on what they're doing you know that um, what we saw against Wales, which was you know sort of perfect start, um, massively accurate, 
understanding we might not get as many yards in that first up areas because they you know France are um, more aggressive and, and more physical at being able to stop players dead but recognising that we'll have to resource those rooks and the players like Porter Bealham there's another role for you now guys you have to up that level you need to be the furlong to link forwards with backs um, Byrne as well will be looking at the same and Connor Murray will have reinforced that you know he's not Jemison Gibson Park in terms of tempo, but you know he did he did exceptionally well. I thought, and we, you know I've been hard on Connor, you know, for the last time uh, for for quite a long time because he's not the player that that he has been uh, that that he he once was. But I thought he he did well, um, but he was helped by the you know the forwards making sure that our tempo was was very good because they were very accurate at the breakdown. I also thought Casey was a bit disappointing when he came on. He looked like a guy who wasn't. He thought he'd have an, an extra second on the ball and everything he did. It was, this is Six Nations, mate, and and you have to be yeah. instinctive almost. You can't p- be ponderous. You can't think about what am I going to do? What option am I going to pick? It's almost, you have to you have to be so well drummed and so, um, yeah, so instinctive that you just make the right decision without almost thinking about it. Um, I think Casey and- makes too many sniper runs where he gets caught. I think I think he thinks there's more space around, or maybe he just finds the pace of international rugby a bit more of a shock. And he hasn't had that many opportunities or that many minutes, maybe. But too often he takes that risk where he takes a snipe and he's isolated. Now he got away with it against Wales once, but he does it too often. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think I think that's I think he's a player that has had um, success at doing that at a low at a lower level. And and maybe thinks it's a little bit easier than it is. He's you know you don't want to drum that out of him. No, I, I, sure I love he's it. Doing it for the, house, yeah. You want to make sure he's doing it for the right reason. Um, but you know there's and, uh, and so I'm I'm relatively comfortable with Connor there. I think he recognises where that game has evolved to. There's a couple of moments that I would have thought, you know, experienced player that that like the end of the first half should have been managed better. And you think you know when players talk about you talk about oh this guy's experienced. What does that really mean? It makes means making the right decisions, you know, at the end of the first half in the situation they were, were in, and then secondly, you know, going back to the um, to the box kick, like although it was a pre-planned move, maybe that was something. If you're really experienced, you saw you made all these yards. Maybe that's a call on the run to say actually cancel the the the, the power play and we'll just pick the option on the short side because we've got mm. numbers there. And we'll, we'll make momentum. So. So that's that's the you know the other side of things that we you know we want to develop and I think he needs to have a, a you know a, a big game against France as they all do. That's what I mean about Ireland. I think can play better than they did against Wales. I think Sexton can be better, and maybe Nerves or hasn't played that much rugby. I think Murray can be better. I think Peter Manny and Ty Byrne can maybe get some more turnovers. I think we're going to need that against France. But I just wonder, Andrew. You know, Farrell has beaten everybody at this stage in the world besides France. And I hate this Six Nations being seen through the prism of the World Cup. But on this one occasion, I think it might be relevant in that he's lost three times. We've France at home. We're on a roll. They maybe have their eyes more on the World Cup than other nations do. That we kind of need to beat them? Or do you buy into that? Do you think it's totally separate from the World Cup? And if we lose, we'll still be okay? I think it's totally I think it's totally separate. Um but I don't, I don't think it makes it any less important. Um, a, a grand slam is they're few and far between, and there's an opportunity here. If they beat if they beat France next weekend, this weekend, then it, I mean it it would be, be such a shock if they beat France and they don't win the grand slam. Even at this stage, I think Whoa. Um, a shock if we don't win the slam afterwards. Yeah, I think if we if we beat France and we don't win a grand slam, having beaten yeah. Wales and France and got England at home the way England are playing, I think it'll be a shock. Scotland away. You're sensationalising oh, this. You're no, trying yeah. to make this into like a... Come on. Rotate did against anyone, Italy. Did anyone watch Scotland at the weekend? We haven't even mentioned them yet. 
pretty impressive. Scotland will do what Scotland do best. <laughs> Shaggy. <laughs> I, I feel this is fine. The way they score that final try, going all through all those phases against England, away, full crowd, might just be the thing that it finally changes their psychology. They haven't won the first two rounds of the Six Nations since the early to mid-90s, but I think this might finally be it. That's not it, Simon. That's nope. not what changes the psyche. The, what changes the psyche is the building on performance week on week on week. And that's what's always let them down. Um, I know, listen, the way they won that game was, was really impressive. Um, their tries were like sensational. That um, yeah, um, Murph yeah. drive was... was just, well, which one? Because he scored know, two know. amazing ones. But the one, the one yeah, where he, I guess yeah, he danced yeah, around yeah. the number yeah. of opponents by himself, yeah. Yeah, it was it was it was absolutely sensational. As good a try as you'll see ever. Um, um, so yes, their in-game performance is better, but they've also been able to deliver some really, I think, really quality performances as one-offs. So it's now it's three games in the trot. That's what they need to do. And in, until they do that, I'm not taking them seriously <laughs> because because every year I do. Yeah. Um, off the back of watching them in the autumn or watching them, you know, um, the year before, and you know, coming out with a really good performance. And they, you know, listen, look at the um, Scotland, I don't think, had beaten England. I saw a stat something um, recently um, at Twickenham. I think they'd won since, since, since 83 or something. It was something crazy. It was some, some really, you know, incredible uh, stat. And they've won the last two. And, and I think it's, it's, it's drawn one and won, uh, won two out of the last three. And, uh, so you know they're they're definitely capable of delivering you know big performances against big teams in the Six Nations, but it's not been back to back to back, and until they do that, they're they're not, they're not coming into my psyche anymore. They've messed me up for too many years. Andrew, which was your favorite try? The, the one at the end where it went through several phases, still a brilliant finish from Van der Merva, or the John Olomu B five defender. Ah, oh, Jonah, uh, Jonah Lomu. I, I was just watching it in the house by myself. Anna took the kids. They went, uh, took, got them out of the house anyway, and I was just screaming. I couldn't believe <laughs> it. It was incredible. And yes, the the team try was amazing, and the intricacy and the detail and the 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 awful, everything was class. But the the sheer pace, he is just a sight to behold. As you say, Jonah Lomu, he looked a hundred miles an hour. Shaggy, we're talking about the Irish back three counter attack. There's very few players can do what he did. He took off a hundred miles an hour. Then he has the wherewithal to put on a bit of footwork, and then the ball transfer, really, really sharp transfer to Don Brandt, who had an absolute stinker. A poor fella, like he was going to be the last um, fellow to miss the tackle on on Ver, uh, Van der Merwe, but it was unbelievable. It was an icon. It's an iconic. Uh, try from a Scottish perspective, and the occasion, the Calcutta Cup, and all. It was unbelievable. I thought it was. A Great, better, great, great adver- advertisement for the Six Nations or for rugby in general. But it's it's sometimes you know there's not many tries like that scored. But where there are those sort of phenomenon tries, um, you sort of get a sense, and those to the player, the player gets a sense as they're doing that. It's this is happening, and you can almost see it from a, you can see it from afar as the player can almost see it in, in their mind's eye, and the opposition can almost see it as well because you know the panic comes on because he's oh he's got through that first line, oh and he's done that and that step he kept the step and he didn't hardly lose any pace and another step, and as you said that should be it it should be over, but 
it's because it was almost meant to be a try. He'd managed to transfer the ball and then had that super strong handoff, which propelled them forward as well. So he could actually, so he could, you know, get to the try line as well. So there are. He wasn't magical, looking for support either. No, there are, ma- and that's probably that's part of it, Simon. Yeah. You know that this total is focus on it's the just, line. It's yeah. a moment that it's you know it almost slows down, and you're in this moment, and, and everything just starts going going right, and it's build after build after build. It's like it's it's, it's astonishing. Um, but um, yeah, and there's not many moments like that happen or have happened in the Six Nations, but that will be you know that'll be shown forever a day because that try was like you know from a different. I thought you see Borthwick's comments afterwards, Shane. He was uh, talking about he says when I looked at the team in the autumn, when I measured the team and got all the data for the team, we weren't good at anything. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh, thanks, that. thanks for I that, says that Eddie quote. Jones. Yeah. It's not very English thing to say either. No. And I don't know necessarily if, you know, you're tapping into the psyche of, of um of that team, whether, you know, that's the way you want to approach it. But, you know, we, you know, maybe he knows the people that you're dealing with and um um and they're the you know, maybe they're the facts. I did see the the stats um for the previous six nations from Ireland who were one in number one in I think think at least eight of the stats maybe the ones they weren't number one in was i think only offloading uh, and kicking so you know they you know they they are directly connected to you know how successful your team are but listen i thought he was going to get um you know a bit of juice out of that english team i thought it was you know quite a nice setup to come into against a scottish team that are a bit loose um and um you know Twickenham first game with new regime everybody wanted them to do well wasn't great really wasn't great and and you know Scotland weren't brilliant either they had moments of brilliant but they certainly weren't brilliant and he did feel there was a couple of quite Scottish moments where you know where ball should just go along the back they they get great width and there's a couple of times they got really good width and then there's a pass that's just shitty and it goes into touch or it's passed yeah. behind the back and you think that's very very Scotland like so it's not like this is a new Scotland we're seeing that um, you know that that you know, sort of, you know yeah. there was the hog pass inside miss there was uh, Russell yeah. missing his kicks a goal the one kicked out on the full it felt like momentum killers three or four times I thought but yeah. England kind of didn't read that they didn't sense that hang on we're the better team here and Scotland are making those errors they didn't really capitalise on the usual Scottish frailty. Yeah, I think that, and that shows a frailty to the English side as well, yeah. which, you know, we talk about how do you wrestle momentum back in a game, but how do you wrestle momentum back in a tournament and actually how do you wrestle momentum back over a longer period of time that hasn't been successful? You know, you would have thought the jumping off point was um, on Saturday, but it clearly wasn't. All right, guys, next Saturday should be a lot of fun. Thanks so much to the fun faction, Shane. (laughs) Cheers, fellas. Great stuff. A lot of times you say something on this show and you're like, geez, you know what? I could come back to bite me in the arse now, you know? But, like, I could just come out and say what I like about the Scotland rugby team. They will, you'll never, ever get a chance to play audio back to me and be like, what were you thinking? How could you have come out and said such a thing? Oh, Florida, Scotland, when will we see your like again? Scotland are a disgrace to world sport. That fought and died for the jobs. Your wee 
baby till and glen stood against him. My name's Jacqueline McCaffrey. Proud Edward's army. You're always on the fever tale. Never fit. And sent him home. The Scotland rugby team. The sporting world's greatest pinata. Do you think again? <laughs> <laughs> it's a two on one. George Turner doing Van der Merwe. He makes mincemeat a daily. He's over the line. He's scored. And Scotland get the try. They thoroughly deserve Like, I can sit here year after year and laugh at the Scottish rugby team. And I'll, I'll never be called out. It's the big freedom that I have. Three Scotsmen. It's been that all day. A reminder, our next football pod is on tomorrow exclusively for World Service members. Ken is off today. Old Glenn Early, huh? Licking his wounds after his, his boys, Watty Grahams, withdrew their objection, Murph. Watty Grahams, this came in on Friday night, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Watty Grahams, Glenn, lodged an objection to the result of the All-Ireland, blah, 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 because we believed that grounds existed for a replay to be held if Rule 644 had been broken. Due to the ongoing proceedings, we as a club now do not believe the conditions exist for a replay to be contested. Consequently, Watty Grahams, Glenn, would like to withdraw from this process. What changed from when they put the objection in to them now withdrawing the objection and saying the conditions do not exist for a replay to be contested. Yeah, I've no idea. Um I've I've no idea uh why they did this. Um well the statement doesn't tell us why they why they did it. Uh, none of those words actually mean anything in any No, in that's any a really weird that's bizarre. a really weird thing. Due to the ongoing proceedings due to the ongoing proceedings, we as a club do not believe the conditions exist for a replay to be contested. I've, that just doesn't that's even because make of the ongoing due to the ongoing proceedings, because <laughs> of the ongoing <laughs> proceedings, because we've lodged an appeal, that means the grounds no longer exist for an appeal, is basically what that means. So I've I I've I've no idea why that's why the statement read like that. I mean, if they're withdrawing from the uh, process, they say, to be honest, we've discussed this as a club and we just feel the right thing to do at this stage is to is to uh, withdraw our appeal. Uh, uh, congratulations to Kilmacook Crooks and we will hopefully see you back in the All-Ireland Club final next year. Like that's, you know, like that's, that's a statement, whether they meant a word of that or not, that makes sense to me in some way. I mean, what they came out and said, I've, I just I don't know what that means. I mean, uh, well, just telling the truth, just just yeah. just telling the truth in plain English. So why exactly they've they've gotten Murph, rid of I read it, that as yeah. they've withdrawn it would have been helpful. Sorry, Murph, Asaya. I I read that as them saying because Kilmacud have appealed and the process can drag on and on. There's no point anymore. Players go off and do different things, travel, change jobs, whatever it may be. And therefore, it's not possibly. But they could have made that a lot clearer. You know, if the fact that we're having to debate, yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah. No congratulations to Croaks in the statement. Maybe there's a bit of a pop being had there. I don't know. It has been noted. Yeah, I, I, I don't get it because I mean, like, like, no one would uh, probably no one would take it at face value anyway. But I mean, <laughs> you throw it in, you throw it in one way or the other. I mean, because like read trying to read between the lines of all that, it appears to me that they may have got some legal advice to say. If this goes to the CSE and it rules in your favour, Crooks will go to the DRA and it will be taken off you in the DRA. So you can pull out now and... But again, if if if, if they'd gotten legal advice to, that kind of led them down that way of thinking, you would say that, right, okay, so if we're going to lose it anyway in the DRA, you might as well try and uh, win the PR battle and say, listen, 
uh, for uh, what if in the context of you know sportsmanship and 140 years of the GA being the unrivaled greatest amateur association in the world uh, we have decided to step away we congratulate Kim McGraw- and you win the PR battle that way I mean when you release a statement like that you're like well shag it lads you know you might as well have gone to the DRA and if you'd lost there I, I, I know yeah you're, already, you're I mean, only speculating about whether or not they got that advice course, but in terms yeah. of that, this PR battle thing is interesting now so ha, ha, am I getting this right is the sympathy if not moving to the Kilmacud side, moving away from Glen over the last few days. I saw this piece by Tommy Conlon in the Indo where he eviscerates them, having done their best to take the yeah. good out of it for the winners. The vanquished scuttled away from the mess they'd created when the penny dropped that they were starting to look like poor losers. Is that kind of widely held? Mm, judging by Tommy's mentions, I would say <laughs> right, not okay, widely held. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> not widely okay. held at all. Uh, so, no. Um, I I don't know that that I don't know that that's what's happened, um. But I mean, for all of the chatter, I this is it's it just kind of seems quite unsatisfactory, you know. That there, you know, it it wasn't a kind of you know calmer heads prevailed or the GA showed leadership or you know the GA's disciplinary uh, proceedings were seen to be fair and even handed to all parties. So seems, nobody's so yeah, nobody's happy like with Crokes, a, nobody's happy with Glenn, and nobody's happy with the GA. Ah, no, some people are happy with Glenn. Some people are happy with Glenn, I think, you know? I mean, I, leaving aside the statement, I suppose the action of withdrawing from the process will, I think, probably gain yeah. them some... Maybe not even gain them some some uh, acolytes, but they might hold on to some of the acolytes that they had. Uh, but, I mean, to the, bro- to the broader question on... What, what has, has been, been learned here? What, what can we learned? take from this? Absolutely <laughs> nothing. On uh, this is a mess with no uh, easy resolution, uh, no uh, pointers as to future behaviour. Uh, it has just been a complete and utter shambles mm. from the moment that Darren Mullen uh, didn't get the message or refused to leave the pitch or whatever the fuck happened in the <laughs> last <laughs> three minutes of the Ireland Club football final. Absolutely nothing has been learned. Uh, and we are singularly unprepared for the next time, and there will be a next time that this happens. Crucially, crucially, everybody's a little bit unhappy, though. Oh yeah, well, there's no doubt about that. You know that. the noises um, that came out of, that came out of Croaks. You know, sources say that they'd rather hand the trophy yeah. back than than play a replay. Uh, which we said, well, that's that's a that's a risky one. You might have to you might have your bluff called on that one. But in a way, mm. do you think that was part of? Uh, calling the bluff on the other side that that this could be what's happened here that Waddy Graham's realised hang on a second if we go all the way and win and win through the DRA and all that mm. Croaks actually aren't going to play this replay we're just going to get the trophy and everybody will hate us <laughs> uh, you know we'll be all our champions by yeah. default we don't want that either so actually this sort of the, the these sources said stuff might have might have been a strategic masterstroke from Croaks uh, I don't no I don't. Re- reading too much into yeah, that yeah I mean you could perhaps construct that argument on, but I mean, it did seem like uh, quite uh, incendiary language. And I don't think anything the croak said would have any major impact on what Glenn had done. Do you know? Um, at the end of the day, I, I'm sure there wasn't unanimity in the Glenn club about how they were behaving. Um, well, 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 obviously, stuff the croaks have done, I mean, They've pulled out of the process, a process that they started. So clearly something has happened. And I would say that's either... But it's not that much of a yeah. stretch, is it, to think that croaks, that something has happened to, along the line here. So there's some reason that what he, that Glenn have pulled out of this process 
and the thought that their opponents were being so bullish in their stance and there was talk they weren't even going to play the replay anyway must have factored into their thinking in some way. I would say that uh, uh, unease amongst their own club membership and any legal advice that they may or may not have gotten outlining the likelihood or otherwise of their of their winning any appeal that might go to the DRA would be far they would have far greater impact than anything that that Crooks I mean Crooks didn't even really say that you know like that's that's you know sources within the club within Kilmacud or whatever uh mm-hmm. said that you know what I mean so it's not like they can say oh well Kilmacud chairman x or you know Kilmacud selector y said these words and that's no but that's how the media game works you yeah, know yeah, uh, yeah. sometimes don't want to go on the record but they, they don't mind the message getting out yeah there. yeah, yeah. I, I, to be honest I wouldn't see that as being um a major factor in anything that that Glenn may have done, and yeah, I, I, to be honest, I don't even want to overblow the the idea that they might have gotten um, a suggestion that any DRA appeal would be unsuccessful because I, it's you know the, at the end of the day, these things are decided by clubs, and you know play, players and management can be extremely bullish in the you know seventy two hours or ninety six hours after a game, but they have to live with those decisions and they have to be one hundred percent confident that what they're doing is the right thing. And, you know, like, I I would be shocked if 100% of the Glenn members, and but I mean, I, it's not even like the full membership, it's like the executive committee and the manager and the coaches and the players. I'd be shocked out of my mind if 100% of them were in agreement last Wednesday or Thursday when they lodged, when they lodged the appeal. And the more and more that the talks world, and they got tons of support, of course, you know, um, but there would also have been dissenting voices from within. Uh, and, you know, maybe just that, that's, what, that's what happened, you know, that they just kind of said, the longer this goes on, the more, the more unlikely it is that we get what we want from this. And, you know, maybe it's just better to pull out now. So, uh, yeah, really uh, uh, kind of, well, I mean, all, there, no ending to this was good, you know. Uh, and from the moment it happened, it was a mess. And it finished in a mess. So we should be surprised at that. Two weeks later, pretty much, yeah. yeah. All right, that's it. Thanks, Murph. Thank you very Thanks, much, Owen. And to you, Simon. Enjoy the rest of your bank holiday. Thanks, Owen. Thank you, Murph. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to sign up to the World Service for ad-free podcasts and for Ken's Football Pod tomorrow. The Second Captain's Podcast is part of the Acast Creator Network. That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports is important. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. 
And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.